Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I am your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I'll have back on Chris Fitzgerald, who is the Chief Technology Officer of NTT Data, who will be talking about their finals and the winners of their Open Innovations Contest, and I'll also be talking about the Shadowhammer malware that's affecting supply chains. So don't go away. In this week's tech news, McDonald's announced their largest acquisition in two decades. They bought an artificial intelligence or AI company called Dynamic Yield out of Israel. It's rumored that the company was purchased for $300 million, and McDonald's explained that it's going to be creating personalized menus for drive through restaurants, and it will take into account such things as the weather, trending menu items, and even the traffic conditions, and that's all going to help speed the customer's experience. And uh, this is just a reminder that AI will continue to permeate everything in our lives. If you're a user of PayPal's Venmo, you might be aware that for as little as $7, they will send collections agents after you. It's been reported that um, amounts as high as $3,000 and as low as $7, Venmo is automatically going after the customers who haven't paid. There was one story where uh, a couple was swindled out of some money on a fake Craigslist ad, responding to a fake Craigslist ad, and Venmo's response was they felt sorry for this couple, but that it was still their responsibility. They knew that when they signed up for Venmo's terms and conditions. Subsequently, Venmo and PayPal decided to credit this couple's money back, but this is just a reminder to be very cautious with um, your online payment systems. Have you heard of Aurora? Aurora is the latest U.S. entrant in the global exascale or supercomputer race. Uh, this computer is going to cost $500 million. It's going to be provided by a combination of Intel and IBM, and it will perform one quintillion calculations per second, or otherwise known as one exaflop. And that's five times faster than the current record holder, um, the IBM-built Summit, which is also at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Uh, just as an FYI, uh, it's a tight race globally because China has 227 of the top 500 supercomputers. And this race will just continue to get uh, more and more involved because everybody wants to have the fastest computer. And that's the news of the week. So now I'd like to welcome back to the show Chris Fitzgerald, who's the Chief Technology Officer of NTT Data. We had Chris on the show back in January talking about the Open Innovation Contest for NTT and the regional finals that were happening all across the world, uh, 20 locations in 18 cities, and how now we've just finished the finals. Welcome again, Chris. Thank you, Keith. Welcome back. So, Chris... We have a lot of companies uh, coming on later to talk about their experience. What did you? What's the tee up for these companies for NTT's Open Innovation Contest in Tokyo? Well, it was a great event. 
for a couple of reasons, Keith. One is, is that this gave a chance for companies in a variety of areas, from healthcare to banking to social to IoT, to get in front of a large group of analysts and customers and talk about what they did. Number two, it was a chance for them also to see them, other companies like themselves from around the world. So you had one IoT company from the U.S., IODM, another one that might have been from Spain. So they had a chance to meet some of their peers in the industry and talk about what they're seeing and not. And number three, it was a chance, in fact, just to spend time together in a very innovative, culturally enriched environment driving change about how they can change what they do with their partners. Perfect. So we're going to meet those companies, and then we're going to have you back for the end of the show to close. So thanks again. So next up, we have Corey Kidd, who's the founder and CEO of Catalia Health. Catalia won the Boston event. Um, welcome, Corey. Thanks for having me. So, Corey, tell us what it was like to go through the Open Innovation Contest and winning the Boston event, and then on to the Tokyo Finals. It's been a great process for us. You know, I like the way that NPT sets this up where, you know, obviously there's a competition and that's what we're talking about here <laughs> because we won. But really it's about collaboration and figuring out ways to work together. You know, and I, I love that NPT is looking at companies across a variety of different industries and different technologies, but looking for things that uh, they can help scale to kind of bring their expertise and the size of their organization to the table. And so throughout that process, you know, we've had a lot of great conversations a lot of great meetings with people, uh, some you know, very strong interest in how we start to scale up together in terms of opportunities. Uh, but of course, you know, winning the competition in Boston was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, hard to go into it with any uh, expectations because you've got a lot of other really interesting and diverse companies on the stage. But uh, yeah, when we were called out as the winner, it was definitely an exciting moment. Great. And, and speaking of interesting, why don't we talk a little bit about what Catalia Health is? Absolutely. So Catalia Health is a chronic disease care management company. Now, that concept is not new and in general, not very high tech. You know, we do a lot of that in this country and around the world. And, you know, we're talking about chronic diseases that people are dealing with for not weeks or months, but for years or decades. And so this is mostly what happens outside of the doctor's office or the hospital. And the way this is done today is, you know, we ask patients to come back in and see us or we send someone out to the home, the home health model, or one thing that's really common is we have these call centers full of nurses that call patients. And this might be, you know, once every month or so. So you've got a very low level of interaction, which is tough when you're dealing with this thing that's, uh, you know, affecting you every single day of your life. And so we at Catalia Health have a very different approach to this based on work that I've been doing for the last couple of decades. And so instead of a call center full of nurses, we have a cute little robot that sits in our patients' homes. It's called Maybu. It's about uh, 15, 16 inches tall and can sit on someone's kitchen counter or bedside table, coffee table, wherever they choose to put her. And most of the technology that we build is actually the artificial intelligence that's generating a conversation for that patient at that point in time. And so to give a really quick example, it might be, oh, hey, how are you doing this afternoon? Just wanted to check in on you. And based on that person's answer, it can go off in many different directions. So it's really a coach that sits in the home and talks to that person about how things are going. But it's more importantly, a part of that person's care team. So on the back end, information that's relevant can be shared back with the doctor, the nurse, or the pharmacist so that they can continue to provide follow-up care if and when that person needs it. Sounds fantastic. So, Corey, who then buys Maybu? Well, we have uh, a couple of types of customers. And, you know, first to clarify, 
we're not selling the robots. What we sell is actually a service. So similar to sending someone out to a patient's home or calling them, you know, we charge on a, a per patient per month basis essentially to provide that service. And our customers are the same companies that are buying those services today. And that means either, you know, hospitals and healthcare systems or a lot of the big pharmaceutical manufacturers are providing these for their patients. So patients on certain drugs today might be offered, you know, one of these call center-based programs uh, where now they're starting to be offered maybe to sit in their home and talk to instead of once a month every single day as they want to. I got it, Corey. So that's great. And I see the relationship where an NTT and being the winner of the Boston event um, will will reap dividends. So uh, with that, we're out of time, but I'd love to have you back on. Um, Again, join with Corey Kidd, who's the founder and CEO of Catalia Health, they've got Mabu, a Mabu, a robot that can um, actually interact with chronic care patients. And if you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at svn.biz. And when we come back, we're going to have Ron Victor, founder and CEO of industrial IoT platform Iodium. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Uh, next up, I have Ron Victor, who's the founder and CEO of industrial IoT company, Iodium. Welcome, Ron. Thank you, Keith. Ron, congratulations again for Iodium winning the, the event in Silicon Valley and then also the NTT Data Contest Judges Award in Tokyo. The question I have for you is, what is industrial IoT versus IoT? Industrial IoT, first of all, thank you for those wishes. Appreciate it. Yes, we're very fortunate that we were selected for the Judges Award. All the contestants were really great. I have to thank NTT Data for putting up a fabulous show, both the competition here locally in Silicon Valley and, of course, hosting us in Tokyo. It was a very fun experience, great contacts, both within NTT Data as well as outside. Uh, Industrial IoT, for those of your listeners who do not know what it stands for, is basically connecting brownfield or greenfield machinery, industrial machines, to applications in data centers and clouds so that you can run those machines more efficiently, you can, um, you can do predictive maintenance, you can have lesser downtime, you can have better uptime, and all in all what that comes down to is you can either make more money or you can reduce your costs. So once you have, if you look at the legacy brownfield world today, right, and what is the legacy brownfield world? Everything from building automation systems that are existing in basements of buildings to locomotives to oil rig to equipment on oil rigs to large gears in mines to, uh, to large cranes and then elevator control systems. All of these systems have been around us for 50 years, 100 years, etc., and they have traditionally been siloed in the sense that whenever somebody has to to go understand what that system is doing, a technician from the manufacturer goes to the machine with a spanner and opens it up and decides what's going on, etc. Or if you think about this even more simply is when you, you take your car to a, a car shop or a garage, a, a technician takes a little handheld device, plugs it into one of those ports in your engines, and aha, it gives you a value, E7. E7 means you've got to change oil or something of that sort. 
Now, instead of having that technician to go there to this machine, whether it's a building automation system, whether it's a large gear in a mine, whether it's an equipment on an oil well pad or a, or a refinery, what if we could connect all of these machines very securely to some kind of a control center or a data center where all your technicians could now continuously monitor and maintain this such that if a certain value went up and down, up or down, an alarm got sounded off, and now you don't have to keep sending people out in trucks only on a regular periodic basis to be able to go check something. For instance, if you think about the old legacy car oil change, you know, every 30,000 miles, take it in or, or whatever, every 10, you know, 3,000 miles, sorry, take it in and, and change the oil. Well, why do you need to change the oil if the oil is just fine? Change the oil if the oil is not good. Just right. going repetitively and doing the same thing again doesn't make sense. Industrial IoT basically optimizes that and tells you, go in now because your oil should be changed. That's the difference. Thank you for that answer, Ron. That's a really good explanation. So speaking more on that topic, um, Ron, why don't we talk about how Iodium first got engaged with the NTT Data Open Innovation Contest, and then how is that, uh, since you uh, came as a finalist and won the Judges Award, how was that uh, then subsequently, what effect has that had on your company? Sure. So we, NTT Data knew one of our, you know, the, the Iodium was co-created by, within the fabric. The fabric is an incubator here in the Valley excuse me, in Silicon Valley, and one of the Fabric's investors let Fabric know that uh, there is this contest, and they forwarded it to us, and then we applied and got selected and then ultimately won here in the Valley. And once we were, Valley, once we were a winner here for Silicon Valley, then we joined the other global contestants worldwide in Tokyo, and then we won the judges' award over there. It's a very humbling award. It's a, it's a great award. The reason for, for, for participating and doing all of this, of course, is to be able to partner with NTT Data because NTT Data is such a large global system integrator worldwide that the, the reach is phenomenal. And then uh, to be able for, to be get noticed by them and then now slowly but steadily penetrate into that ecosystem would be great. That's the main reason. Yeah, that's great. And, and I know we said it already, but congratulations again, because it, it was a global contest hosted in uh, 20 cities in 18 countries. So it's very significant. Um, for Iodium, because I, 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 you know, I, I spoke to a lot of the other participants in the field, um, it seems like the technology for Iodium can actually be integrated into a lot of the other companies that participated. Uh, I know coming up, we're going to have Flightbase, who was also the global winner in our next segment, but how would people think about Iodium back, back to the fabric? And you talked earlier about how interesting it is. How are people going to um, see the results of this in their daily lives? The way you will see uh, uh, the result of this in your daily life is your building will run more efficiently. So if you're running in, a, if you, you know, let's talk about building automation for a, sec for a second, sure. and then I'll talk about some other verticals also. Yeah, there is this whole concept come up which is called occupancy experience. What is occupancy experience? Occupancy experience is an application on your phone where you say, I'm coming in at this time, please save a parking spot. So as you're coming close to the parking garage, you just a parking spot opens up and it directly tells you, go park here, here's a spot for you. Yes. As you're walking into the door, the door opens. As you walk into a room, the, the lights go the way you like them, the temperature goes to what you like it to be, and the windows line up the way you want it, including the blinds. 
Then if you want to order coffee, coffee shows up the way you. So this occupancy experience thing is, is completely controlling your experience within the building on a handset in your hand. Now, to be able to do that, some data has to be able to, to, uh, to, to, you need data in the cloud on which this app can work, and that data has to be data that is given from an elevator control system, a lighting control system, an HVAC control system, an access control system for the garage. All of these systems have to be connected so that they can pump the raw data to the, to the cloud where this application for occupancy experience can access this data and now be able to, to, to give you as the user control of your lights, your HVAC, your, your doors, your windows windows, your garage parking space, all, all the elevator control system. So that is, that is how you will see this in your, in your, you know, you don't even know that there's a whole bunch of industrial IoT technology at the back that is securely transporting all these machine data to, an, to a data lake in the cloud where this wonderful application that has been built for you on your handset is accessing this data from and you're getting all the convenience you're doing. Similarly, you'll see this in the other verticals, uh, both in oil and gas and power and utilities and all of that, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally get it. So, uh, you know, I, I, um, I've spoken to lots of companies who have solutions for home automation, for oil and gas. Uh, you become that fabric. So how would they integrate your technology into their solutions? That's the best part about our, our solution, Keith. We are a managed infrastructure as a managed service. People don't have to integrate anything. We basically, if you think about the old DSL modem that came to your house when DSL started, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, a box showed up. They said, plug the blue cable in here, plug the yellow cable there, turn the box on, and then go to www.attnt.net or sbzglobal.net or something like that. I remember, yes. You were, you were instantly connected to the Internet. Now, imagine that same experience for connecting millions and millions of millions of legacy brownfield machines. Box shows up, plug it into the machine, power it on, go away, machine is connected. Immediately you can see it on a screen and say, aha, there's my data. So what, what, what we are is the plumbing infrastructure from the machine to the cloud or the application infrastructure at the edge where people can push applications from the cloud to the edge. The entire infrastructure is us. We don't play in the data plane. The data plane is left for the data science folks, them that understand the data. A very good high-level way to think about us is FedEx. Yes. Pick up packets, drop off packets, pick up applications, drop off applications. Never open a packet. It is not your packet. Don't look inside it because it, it, it basically is the customer's packet, and they can decide how fast they want it over there, whether they want signature required, don't want signature required, quality of service, overnight delivery, um, uh, two-day ground, Whatever they are. So, hey, hey, Ron, um, I'm yeah. I'm sold. I really like what you and Iodium are doing. I want to definitely have you back on to talk more about what you've been working on. So thanks again for being here today. Anytime, Keith. Thank you. So if you have any questions or comments about Iodium or the NTT Data Open Innovation Contest, which will be coming up again, email us at info at svn.biz, and I'll be right back with the founder and CEO of Flightbase. Don't go away. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back. We've got Nitin Gupta, who's the founder and CEO of Flightbase. Nitin, so great to have you on the show. Thank you, Keith. Thank you for having me. For this week's Cyber Tip, I want to talk about a recent news called Operation Shadowhammer, which is a very complex cyber attack 
that involved the Taiwanese PC manufacturer Asus. This malware was actually preloaded on machines into the updater software. So if you can imagine getting updates on your particular PC for BIOS or drivers, etc., something that's on all your machines, um, this is where this malware was placed by nefarious attackers. Uh, one thing is that Kaspersky said that by looking at their users, they knew that at least 57,000 of the Kaspersky antivirus users could detect the malware. And it's possible that even up to 1 million ASUS PC owners has this uh, malware on them. Uh, one reason why I'm bringing this up as a cyber tip is it's not something that you as an individual can normally control. This is coming directly from the manufacturer. So we see more and more attacks happening at what we call supply chain level. I talk a lot about third-party risk. This is an example of third-party risk, something that you don't have the ability to control. However, what you can do is keep tools like your antivirus current so that they can detect them. Symantec, a competitor to Kaspersky, also said they were able to detect this particular form of malware. So again, once again, it's just a reminder that whether you have control of your machine, whether you bought a brand new machine, whether it's your mobile device, your PC, even your televisions, to always have a healthy paranoia on what you're loading on your machines and why they're being loaded on, and to run those scans often. And that's the tip of the week. So, Nitin, you're here because Flightbase just won the NTT Data Open Innovation Contest that was held in Tokyo. We had the regionals out here in Silicon Valley a couple months back, but your company, Flightbase, won the entire contest. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can you tell me a little bit about Flightbase? Uh, we've had a number, well, let me say, we've had a number of drone shows on recently. Uh, we had the um, founders and the of Aeronite, and we also had the... Um, former general counsel of the FAA, now a technology lobbyist running the small UAV or unmanned aerial vehicle coalition. So how's Flightbase, um, an automation company, involved in the ecosystem? Right. So uh, no, as everybody knows, no drones are you know, one of the disruptive technologies of our times. And you know, we are going to see more and more you know, drone automation play an important role. So today, when we look at drones, they are being used for inspections, for surveys, for deliveries, for public safety, variety of applications. But all these applications are today more or less in the POC mode, where we only see one or two drones being flown by a pilot. Uh, now, what is going to happen over the next few years is we are going to see more and more automation play an important role. So that is where you know, we expect fully automated drones being deployed at scale. So for you know, for example, if you have to do inspection of your pipelines, you will have a fleet of, say, 20 drones or 100 drones doing it all simultaneously at the same time without the need of manually being flown by a pilot. So FlightBase is building the core technology platform uh, so both the edge intelligence piece, that is the piece that makes the drone intelligent. Uh, basically, you can think of it as a self-flying drone, you know, like we are talking about self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. uh, no, th 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 there will be self-flying drones which will understand their environment, plan the trajectory, avoid collisions, and work with variety of payloads and get the job done. And the second piece is the cloud piece where you... Know, build the internet of drones or know where you have the complete network or you can communicate with your entire fleet from a single dashboard. 
So Flightbase is a company which is building the core technology platform, the software platform that can connect to almost any drone uh, you know, that, that you can get for your hands-on today. So we are compatible with all DJI drones as well as all Pixar or no Ardu Pilot, PX4, so almost any drone hardware. So we don't do hardware ourselves. We work with partners or no, we work with any other hardware you know, that is out there in the market. And our software helps you now build applications on top. So using our core technology platform, you can create applications for inspection, for delivery, for public safety, all of those. And you know, some of the some of the guests on your show, you know, they, they are our customers. They are using our platform to build their you know, fully automated drones. Great. Okay, so just to be clear, you're not providing the hardware. You're partnering with uh, any – you're agnostic to drones. And you have uh, software that's the avionics package or it's the actual applications that runs on top of it? Uh, so, okay, so this is one layer above the basic autopilot. Your basic autopilot takes care of basic stability of the vehicle mm-hmm. or taking that you know, vehicle from point A to point B. We run a layer on top of that. Uh, so this layer basically does the intelligence part. So intelligence part is you no know, understanding your environment from you know, a variety of sensors or connecting your drones to the cloud. So ma- making sure that all your communication is in real time and you can integrate with air map or you can integrate with you no know, variety of UTM service providers. So we are a software automation layer sitting on top of Autopilot, which is helping you build your you know, your vertical applications. So your you know, applications could be, as I said earlier, you no know, public safety, emergency response, or delivery, or you no know, what you have. Great, and and I totally agree. A lot of this right now is POCs because uh, the regulations, at least in the United States, haven't caught up to the technology yet. So I know folks like you are are actively building all the technology for when the the Federal Aviation Administration in the United States is comfortable with um, autonomous flying vehicles. So what are some of the uh, applications you can talk about so far that your customers are, are playing around with? Right. So, so okay. So the 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 thing that differentiates us. No, I, I'll just briefly touch upon that. Sure. Uh, the reason being uh, that there are many companies who are working on you no know, creating these automated drones for the future. But one of the things that differentiates us is that you no, know, we are one is pure software platform, and we are compatible with all kinds of drones. Right. So there there are you no know, very few or probably nothing available in the market which has compatibility with every other hardware. So we basically a platform company, you not know, software platform company which helps automation. And you know, let me talk about some applications now. So we are working with customers in different domains. So one of our customers is doing you know, total, you know, uh, fully automated drones for wind turbine inspections. Mm-hmm. Now what happens is you know, when they are using flight-based platform to create these applications, so almost you know, 80 to 85% of the components are already there you know, available in this platform. So all they have to do is they have to just create the custom workflow on top of Know our APIs, our SDKs. So it makes it very easy or no very fast go to market for our customers. So they can create a custom workflow for wind turbine inspection very, very fast. Mm-hmm. Similarly, we are working with other customers for automating warehouse inventory. We are working with our customers on you know, some of uh, public safety applications, emergency response applications. That how can you integrate drones with emergency response services so that your drones can automatically go to a location of emergency and start you know, transmitting uh, you know, the live uh, videos or live sensor data from that location so that you can plan your response better and faster. We are working with some customers on other applications such as you no know, counting animals in a park, you no know, in in a, in a farm or you no know, counting or identifying cars in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. So the power of the platform is uh, that you no know, all the 
common components are already available and now you can create these you know specific applications for different verticals very fast yeah that's are also go ahead go ahead so we, we are also releasing some of the pre-built applications for our customers so that don't, they don't even have to hire developers to build those applications and these are some of the horizontal applications like one of the first applications that we have recently released is called flight gcs so it is you no know, a gcs or a ground control station application which is connected to the cloud so basically you can now operate your drone sitting anywhere in the world as long as your drone is connected to the cloud so you can get live telemetry live control as well as live video from your drone and this application is available as a saas product so you can go online subscribe to this application pay like 99 dollars a month and no uh, in like four steps you have your drone connected to the cloud and operating anywhere in the world yeah the the features sound great and i i think the the question i go back to is for your customers um how are they progressing in terms of getting the waivers um being part of the lance program in the united states getting beyond visual line of sight i mean these these features are very important you're you're almost probably ahead in some aspects of the commercial market and and maybe other parts of the world are ready to adopt but i just happen to know in the united states there's still some concern so what would you tell the consumer um on how the intelligence works so that they don't have to fear all these drones in the sky right so keith uh, our majority of our customers are in the us so you know, we, we are working with most of the customers in the us and some in europe uh, we have some customers in other parts of the world but they are very few um, so whatever i i am going to talk about is relevant for the us market and we are working with some of the fortune 500 companies helping them you know build vertical applications for completely automating their drones for that you know application and what is happening today is that you know some of our customers they have been able to convince the regulators and they have got the permissions to do their trials uh, you know in limited areas for you know limited number of drones and so on mm-hmm. so currently there are some restrictions but at the same time you know our customers are willing to you know spend money and develop this technology and be ready for the day when the regulations are in place so what is happening today again is you know the even with the full automation thing it is only uh, you know kind of pocs and making sure that we are ready with the technology uh, because you no know, once the regulations are in uh, if you start building the technology then it is too late right. so, you, know, you have to start you no know, building and be ready you know for that time yeah exactly and so um with the you know minute we have left in what's the best way for people to learn more about flightbase and for the, the right company to get a hold of you to start developing these applications sure so i mean we are we are happy to work with customers who are like thinking ahead who are thinking about you no know, creating this technology and you know building these vertical applications for their use cases and you know they can learn more about us on the website so website is f l y t flight base b a s e .com flytbase.com so they can visit the website we have case studies from our customers we have you uh, know all the details on the technology on the use cases so they can read about it and if you no know, there is uh, no interest they can always reach out to us and we'd be happy to work with them all right nitin well it was great having you on the show today i want to wish you the best wishes on continued success for flightbase and i look forward to hearing more about you in the news so once again nitin gupta ceo and founder of flightbase thanks nitin thank you so much keith i appreciate it if you have any questions or comments email us at info@svn.biz we'll be right back to close the show with the pivot
For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today's show has been the results of NTT Data's 9.0 Innovation Contest with their finals in Tokyo. Uh, we had on several companies, Iodium, Catalia Health, and Flightbase. And now we also have back Chris Fitzgerald, the Chief Technology Officer of NTT Data. Welcome again, Chris. Thank you, Keith. So we had quite a few great companies, and I wanted to finish off with your thoughts on the overall experience and what's next for open innovation in 2019. Well, that's great. So a couple of things were interesting because um, what's really next is how we take these companies we met with and begin conversations into our business, how we sit down with our healthcare units, our customers. So I met with a CTO of one of the largest Blue Cross Blue Shield organizations in the country and shared with him about this, this concept of a social robot that helps with, helps with chronic health issues, such as heart disease. And the idea of how you drive a different outcome and engagement was really exciting to that CTO. So we start the conversations because it's driving a different piece to it. Yeah, that's great. And I think that it's really exciting to see what the outcomes will be for each of these companies. So go ahead. And we're excited because that's one example. But even for companies that weren't the winners in the U.S. or around the world, we have other discussions going on, even with people who were even just part of the participation, because it wasn't just the winners that we're engaging with to drive transformation. Well, let's talk more about that. How did how did that all work? So I'm setting up a day, for example, with my business units here in the U.S. I'm going to have basically kind of a live and virtual session where we've picked, for example, 10 companies. There are about five that were from the U.S. competitions and about four or five international where they're going to have a little more time, 15 minutes to 20 minutes, to share what they do, how they think it's relevant for my business leaders to see it firsthand, connect with, and then follow on. And then for four or five of those, we then will have sessions afterwards, one-hour detail. Let's talk about what you have, what your go-to-market strategy. So we're going to action these with my business leaders directly by, by the middle of May. Okay. And, and I remember in our recording we did back in January talking about open innovation, that even though there's defined times where the contest happens, you can actually apply any time during the year. Correct. And that's great, Keith, because we want to, this is not a one-time process. We want to make sure that as we think about innovation going forward, you don't have to wait for that contest to say, I've got some ideas we think might be relevant to NTT data. We want to have that going on all the time. We may still submit you up for that contest later in the year, it's not a wait till the contest to talk to us. So for any companies interested in participating in NTT Data's Open Innovation, you can email them at officeofcto at nttdata.com. So, Chris, uh, we always end the show with the pivot, and I think it's really interesting we were talking off microphone that one of the results of one of the companies we had on earlier, Catalia, they have an AI bot you had a great use case for how they're pivoting and addressing their customers. Can we go into detail with that? Yeah, so while they were on stage, their bot basically has, a little bit human-like, has two eyes, and during the conversation, looks to the person who's talking to them. Now, in Japan, they actually had the bot speak Japanese to the Japan audience, which was very fun for them. But what they realized is, 
you might think, first of all, is that creepy? And the answer was no, because to engage in a social conversation, we want to look at somebody. We want to talk to them and follow their eyes. And part of what Catalia's found out is the success of their bot is not just the AI engine, but the engagement with the person to drive the conversation. Right. Yeah, I, I, it makes me think about it, a time where HD video, life-like life teleconferencing was new. Um, Cisco, we had telepresence. And one of the our designers, one of the last things for us to figure out was eye movement. And it just uh, re- reinforces that for Katalia being able for their bot to have a direct conversation in Japanese, fully engaged with a human, is just so important. It is. It is. So what were some of the other innovations you can think of off the top of your head? Well, there were a couple of them. One was a case, a really interesting one out of Brazil, where they had created an AI chat bot for depression. Um, apparently, Brazil has one of the highest depression rates in the world due to some various factors. And the question was, especially for companies, well, how do I offer a service where you can chat with a bot? And the bot learns various things, provides ideas and concerts. But it was, again, a chat bot, no, no voice, but chat. But it learned also what your interests were and over the conversation learned about you. So, again, another case of, in a different country, addressing social issues and health issues was a very interesting aspect. You know, what I really like about the examples you gave, especially uh, here in the Valley and across the world, people are very concerned about artificial intelligence. They're thinking about how that might take away jobs, et cetera. But these are use cases using AI, both ethically and also in a way that's improving people's lives with either chronic pain or mental illness. So that's a very exciting part about AI. It is, Keith. Let me add a piece also. In both of these cases, one of the challenges you have is there are not enough clinicians to serve the growing aging population. We'd have to, we'd have to you know, create like 20 million new physicians in the U.S. or in Japan the next year or two. We can't do enough that we have to rely on technology to provide the care we need to augment and support the clinician, not to replace yeah, that's a great point. And Chris, as always, love having you on the show. Always welcome you back. Uh, congratulations for a successful NTT Data Open Innovation 9.0, and I'm looking forward to 10.0. We are, too. Thank you very much for hosting us, Keith. We enjoyed it. For questions or comments about any of the companies you heard on today or more information about Open Innovation, you can always email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 